Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of the podcast. Men, as always, I want to thank you for taking time and checking out today's show. When you get the opportunity, make sure you visit thepursuitofmanliness.com. You can find this podcast episode, all of the previous 400 plus podcast episodes. You can see the most recent blog post, check out suggested reading, and what's available in the gear store. I want to highlight one thing in particular in the gear store right now. It is the registration for our men's retreat here in Indianapolis once again. Our next men's retreat is September 29th and 30th, 2023, Indianapolis, Indiana. Men, literally all across the globe, are invited for a weekend of worship, food, challenging messages, and opportunities to build strong community. Make sure you visit thepursuitofmanliness.com forward slash gear. It is the first icon listed in the gear store. Men, it's time for today's conversation. Matthew 13, which is known, uh, I shouldn't say is known, but it, it holds uh, the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower is one of those stories in the Bible that is told so much or is used as an illustration so much that we can sort of check out. We, we kind of, one of those where we say, I know how this ends, uh, I'm good, right? I, I, I can just dismiss uh, the application of this text. I get it. Three bad, one good. All right, let's, let's move on. If, if you grew up and your, your church had any kind of uh, agrarian type summer school or vacation Bible school or anything like that, the parable of the sower was probably there. I mean, it, it's it's a pretty well-known lesson, I think because it has, you know, four different aspects to it, which makes a great coloring page, right? It, it makes a great object lesson of one of these is not like the other. Number four, okay, so why are we talking about the parable of the sower on a Quiet Life podcast? Well, because it's my uh, conviction that a lot of men, including myself, make the assumption we're number four. Okay? We're, we're the good soil. You say, what is we're number four? It's we're the good soil. We just automatically dismiss ourselves as we're good. Let's move on. What comes after parable of the sower? Let's just keep reading. Don't, don't miss that. Don't miss that. And what Jesus is talking about in the parable of the sower, he's talking about your life. He's not talking about, you know, a season of your life. He's not talking about, you know, some years of your life or a large portion of your life. He's talking about your life. And Jesus explains the the, the parable of the sower as um, people who lived, or forgive me, seed that is sown on four different uh, types of surface, four different places where the seed is sown so that uh, it can ultimately, you know, wh- why do you sow a seed? To, to, to take root, right? And and that's that's what he's trying to teach her. So Jesus said that same day, uh, or forgive me, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake and large crowds gathered around him. He got in the boat, he sat in it uh, while the people stood on the shore. He told them many things in parables saying a farmer went out to sow a seed as he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell in rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants 
were scorched. They withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plant. Still other seeds fell in good soil where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. Well, that's most of us. So, um, what, uh, what, what do we get from that? So, let me say this. A few weeks ago, my son did a science fair project. In the school year, teacher decided we need to have a science fair. That'll buy us a day. So he did a science fair project every day. He had a little bit of work on this to the point where you get one of them big trifolds. Walmart has the market on trifolds. So you go there in the big cardboard and it unfolds into three and you put all your things on there. You take some pictures. You have your hypothesis. You have, you know, all the things that happen. You have your conclusion, your pictures, whatever. He chose to do um, what conditions would affect the height of a tennis ball bouncing. Profound, I know. Nobel Peace Prize, maybe not yet. However, we're climbing. And uh, so he had them like heat, regular, and uh, frozen. I think I think the uh, regular ones bounce the highest. I'm not sure. Uh, but anyhow, you know, we have these... These things, these, these this project, this hypothesis, you know, and then you put it all together and say, this is what I found out. Do you remember what the kid would do when nobody in his house was going to help him do it? What, what was the project? He'd put the seeds in the dirt in a styrofoam cup and he'd say, I got it. I'm going to put this one by the w- windowsill. I'm going to put this one under my bed. This one in the basement. <laughs> This one in the car. All right, we're, we're going to see. I give you these different places, and you figure out which seed, what climate was best for the seed to grow. And how long is your science fair project, really? You're talking a month at best. I, I waited till you know, 48 hours before it was due, but most kids at best a month. You're going to do the old seed trick. You're going to need to uh, get a little run on it. So what you would do is you put these seeds in these styrofoam cups. You'd say... Well, my hypothesis is that the seed by the windowsill with natural light is going to grow the best. Yeah, duh. Okay, so you do if you, if you had your parents involved, you do like the, uh, you know, was it solar system? You do something bigger. Uh, saw I had because I, I wanted dad points. I went to the science fair and saw what he did and saw the other kids' projects and yeah. Uh, so we we did that. No Albert Einstein's in that group. I'll tell you that right now. But they they did it and they I think they all passed. Was that fourth grade? I think they'll pass fourth grade. I say that because I think if we're not careful, we treat our spiritual life like that's like that seeds in a styrofoam cup science project. Now we know what's best. Come on, you're gonna water it and put it by the sunlight. I can't believe it sprung up, you know, way bigger than than the others. But if I remember correctly, now it's been a couple years since I've done one of these projects. This. All of them seem to sprout something because they're in dirt, right? Like the, the condition, at least on the surface, is conducive for a seed to do what seeds do. Now, for them to grow and to get to anything that would be substantial or that you could benefit from, you're going to need a long period of time. You're going to need more than a month, right? But to get out of fourth grade, all you need to do is get some greenery coming out of the soil of that cup. If we're not careful, that's how we can treat our spiritual life. So you say the first, the first 
seed that was sown was on the path. I've never met a guy yet that's like, yep, I'm a path guy. I am sidewalk. I'm driveway. If anything is going to grow, it's going to be by accident. It's going to be because it fell into a crevice. Right? I've never met a guy who said that. Most guys, to a large degree, believe they're good. Believe whatever they know and whatever they're doing is fine. And, and, and I've come to find out that that's, that's a lie from Satan. And I say I've come to find out because I spent a lot of years thinking, I'm fine. So later on, Jesus actually explains this parable. In verse 18, so I'm reading Matthew 13. Matthew 13, 18, he said, Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom of God, we would call that teaching from the Bible. We would call that preaching the gospel. Anyone hears the message about the kingdom of God and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. What do you mean doesn't understand it? Can't comprehend it? Doesn't process it? Has, you know, just a wave of apathy towards it? Yet, yes to all those things. So I, I've been in some places, especially early on in my faith, where someone was teaching something, and I didn't grasp it, or I didn't fully understand what they were saying. I did something that that might shock you, and uh, what what I did is when I would go to those places, let's say. Well, I remember going to a Promise Keepers, okay? A lot of different teachers would teach at Promise Keepers, a lot of different speakers. You know, not not the most conducive environment for note-taking things because you're so, you're crunched in there, especially back in the day of these arenas, you know, sold out and stuff. So you're just packed in there. But one thing I did that was really helpful, and I don't know, I don't know if you've tried this or not, is I got my Bible out. And so if the guy said, we're in, I'm going to teach from 2 Corinthians 4, I probably had to go to the front and find where 2 Corinthians 4 was. Okay, page 1,210. Flip to page 1,208, 2 Corinthians. Okay, I'm, I'm getting close. And I would just read along. You know, Obviously, he didn't just read the text, but as he referenced the text, I would look at it and say, he's getting that from that? He, he, that's the application from that. Okay. And the more I did that, the more I began to understand the Bible. It will require a little bit of effort on our part. It will require a little more gusto when it comes to, I don't know, if, if, you, if you do go to church and you hear someone teach, you might want to bring the book with you. Now, you, you might not understand this, and I'm, you know, I'm, I try to, try to stay humble, but a lot of people where I teach, they're so enamored with what I say, they don't even bring their book. They just stare at me the whole time. Hopefully you catch that tongue-in-cheek. I'm, they're not enamored of what I say, but I, I do challenge them. Bring the Bible. Why would you come here without the Bible? Why would you come here without the book that we're going to be talking about? You certainly wouldn't go to your math class without your math book. You wouldn't go to a baseball game without your glove, right? Like, pretty basic. You wouldn't go hunting without a weapon. Like, bring, bring what you need. And if we can't bring our Bibles to church, we're not bringing them anywhere else. He says the people, you know, they hear it. Hearing it wasn't an issue, right? He says they don't understand it, and before long, eh, it's like it never happened. Right? They, uh, good message, preacher. Hop in the car like it never happened. Huh, I like that. Good small group, good Sunday school, good whatever. You hear it, but nothing's really going to happen. He goes on to say, 
The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once, this is verse 20, and at once receives it with joy. Verse 21, but since they have no root, no depth to them, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes of the word, they quickly fall away. So they heard it. They liked it. They might even have wanted to sign up or be a part of it. But once trouble or persecution comes, they have no they have no depth to them. It's shallow. It's a shallow faith. Fortunately, Christian men don't have a shallow faith, right? Last only for a short time, trouble comes, persecution comes, all the, they quickly fall away. Quickly. He said it, it wasn't like it was a long progression, like it started to wear away. That's going to be the next guy. He said this was, uh, it didn't, didn't take. It didn't take. Like James talks about, you looked in the mirror, you went home, forgot what you looked like. No root, no depth. I, I see this often where people will avoid like Bible study situations when the study or the small group, whatever, is too deep. Why? Because they would rather sit in a gossip group where the first 45 minutes is like, quote unquote, prayer request. And then we might get to what did you read this week, whatever. And that's our group. That's, that's, that's what we did. That was our small group community. There's no root. There's no depth there. So if somebody really does walk through something or heaven forbid, you're walking through something and you need to tell yourself, hey, what does scripture tell me about this? You don't have any root. You might have a clever sign that hangs above your office door. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me or something like that. But as far as really knowing context or really knowing application, there's just nothing there. And so, you know, if you're, if you're trying to, you know, parent your children or I was talking to my daughter, I was taking her work today and she's like, there, the commercial was about, a, you know, adult children or something like that. And she's like, what does that mean? I was like, well, you'll always be my child. But eventually you'll be a grown-up, you know, you'll be 22, but you're always my child. Like that, you're, that, that will never change. That relationship doesn't change, but your, you know, your relationships will change. And so navigating that, you know, so I, if I'm talking to my, you know, then 22-year-old about something that is biblically true and I don't know what's in the Bible, there's no root. And more than likely, if there's no root, then I have quickly fallen away. Trouble and persecution. Persecution would be something to do with your faith. You want to go to church, but you know I've seen this where the, your spouse is against it, and so you're just like it's just not worth it. Trouble is, you know, those are usually surface level things. You're you're afraid you're not in the same friend group. You won't be seen the same. You'll be perceived as you know you think you're better than us or something like that, and you quickly fall away. Again, there's nothing wrong with the seed. It's the same seed. Verse 22, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. Everyone's heard it, right? They hear the word, but the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, they choke the word, making it unfruitful. This is that cup in the science fair project that greenery's coming out. Uh-oh, maybe I was wrong in my hypothesis. You know, here's the thing about growth in a science project and a growth in spiritual life. As I said in the beginning, you need more than a month, okay? Spiritual growth will require more than a month. It'll take years. It will probably take decades. And so if you're not planting seeds and asking the Holy Spirit to till up the soil of your heart, why do you till up soil 
for a garden? To get the soil in a place that it's rich so that when the seeds are planted, they're able to take root. They're able to have the, the, the water go where it needs to go. Like all the growth will not be hindered because the person responsible for the soil didn't do what it was supposed to do. So we say, God, till up the soil of our heart. If I walk into a, a church setting or a small group setting or any kind of spiritual setting, if I walk into my Zoom call with my brothers and tribe or anything like that, like that and I'm unprepared and I haven't done the work of being ready to go, well, I, I, I can't be shocked or upset or blame others if, if I you know, come across as unfruitful. Nothing happened there. Seed falling among the among the thorns. Oh, something grew up, but it wasn't good. I've I've seen this. You know, people. You know, they're, they're all they're fired up for Jesus for a minute, and then deceitfulness of wealth. You chase other things. You chase a schedule. You chase actual money. You chase the weekends. You chase your free time. You chase your vacation. You chase whatever it is, and you're unfruitful. Now, I said in the beginning, I think most men automatically believe they're number four. Most men that I've run up on would believe I'm number four. Verse 23, the seed falling on good soul refers to someone who hears the word. Everyone's hearing it, hears the word, and understands it. Well, that knocks out the first guy. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. You see... If you're, if you're seed four, if you're seed four, please know three of the four were bad. Okay? So only the fourth soil actually produced a crop that was worth anything. So when you think about that, you say, what kind of crop is coming from my life? Has this been pretty much just about me? Has my Christian walk been primarily about me? Has it been primarily about my comfort zone, my comfort levels? I, I see people who love to, you know, they're trying out churches, but they're never really going to get invested. Not when it's going to cost them time. They might cut a check, but not going to cost them time. Has your Christian life been primarily about you? What kind of teaching are we having? What kind of small groups are offered? I've said a number of times, if, if you really want to grow in your faith and you really want to mature in your faith, volunteer to host a group. One, you're going to have to lead people like yourself. Two, you're going to have to realize, even when you don't feel like it, you have to show up. Three, you're going to realize the people that you are, quote unquote, leading are investing in you as well. So you say, man, I just don't think I know enough. Don't worry. Somebody's going to show up who knows more than you. And that's a good thing. And you're probably going to know a couple things that they don't know. And that's a good thing. But there's guys, they'll either not, they'll never join a men's, they'll never join a men's group, small group, marriage group. They just, they'll never do it. Or if they do do it, They'll always be in that metal folding chair. They'll never be the guy that says, all right, let's get this thing started. I, I, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if our churches and our church communities had so many men who were ready to lead, who were producing a crop 160 and 30 times what was sown? I'm going to tell you right now, it would take a lot of pressure off your pastor and your staff. 
Maybe you're not concerned about that. Maybe you're not see your soil number four. Maybe you're not soil number four. Because you hear it and you understand it. And when you understand it, what happens after understanding? Application. And that's where a crop is produced yielding 160 or 30 times. I've said before, if you cultivate a field, if you cultivate something in your life and you've worked it and you tilled the soil and you made sure it was it was prime for planting, it was prime for, for things to grow, I can't come stand by your field and claim that that's mine. I mean, I can for a little bit and fake it. A lot of people faking it out there, but I can't stand next to your field and say, look what I did because I, I didn't do any of that. And so if I look around and say, well, there's no harvest. God says, because you didn't cultivate anything. That's a biblical principle to work and keep it. God placed Adam in the garden to work it and to keep it. And so maybe that needs to be our prayer. God, till up the soil of my heart so that the seeds that are planted, most of us don't need another sermon from old pastor to know how to live out our faith. We just need to do it. So God, till up the soil of my heart so the seeds that are planted would take root it wouldn't be shallow. It would take root. And as I understand it, then I apply it. And as I apply it, well, then I'm going to share it with a few other people. And as I share it with other people, eventually, not overnight, but eventually, we might yield a harvest, 160, 30. Now, your harvest, my harvest, they're going to look different, just, just the way it is. And, and, and you know that. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't work to yield a harvest because when you work to yield a harvest, what, what comes of that? Do you keep it all? No, I, I don't, I don't, I've never met a farmer who plants all of his field. And I grew up in Iowa, so I knew some farmers, and I got some here in Indiana. I never met a farmer who kept everything that they grew. I just I've never met that person. It's usually to sell it or to in some cases give it, depending on if you're you're good enough friends with the farmer. But it typically other people get to benefit from the crop right? That's what our spiritual life is supposed to be. Now, if you're a science fair guy and you bring up the, uh, you know, the cup from the basement and say, see, something's happened here. Um, give it about six more minutes. You're going to realize that thing's worthless. <laughs> you can't eat that. No good. Even, even the little deal by the windowsill, you put some water in it, you're doing all the things that make a seed grow. I mean, you got something, but you know, hard times come and you don't got a lot. When you, when you can lean into a harvest, when hard times come, and hard times always come, it's when you're faithful in, in the planting. It's you're faithful in the tilling. You're faithful in the working the ground. You're faithful in creating the environment so that these things can grow. And so eventually there, there is a crop. Imagine, and we have a good audience here, okay? We have a good audience with the pursuit of manliness. You know, I'm not just firing off ideas into a microphone, you know, three days a week to, you know, just to talk. Like, we have a strong community. The herd, tribe, you know, the closed group. I mean, so what, what, are you, what are you getting at, Jerry? I'm not sure. But my point is what you see is you see these men, these grown men, dudes, like, who, who, are, who are making a difference in the world, in their workplace, in their home, church. Imagine if we all took this to heart and said, God, till up the soil of my heart so the seeds are planted. They're going to produce a crop and other people are going to benefit from it. Imagine what would happen if guys started doing that just in their house. Just in their house. 
I was in the Word today. Okay? There's a seed. Now, I know, not microwaving this, but something good can come from this today. I'm in the Word today. I was in 2 John today. 2 John's about truth, 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 truth. Well, maybe I need to have a conversation in my house about truth. I get in the Word, you know, regularly. And then I go into my church and say, hey, man, Pastor so-and-so, you need someone to lead a group, need someone to whatever. Nope, but I need someone to attend one. I can do that too. I need someone to take out garbage. I can do that too. I need someone to work in the children's ministry. I can do that. After your background check, you can do that, right? Your faith, your walk is benefiting others. We we don't need another generation of, of Christian men who, one, keep it to themselves, okay? Like, that jig is up. That didn't work. And we don't need another generations of Christian men who stay in the spiritual high chair and never mature beyond the original seeds that were planted. We don't need that. We got ourselves enough of a predicament here that we can't stay the same. We can't maintain. And so, if you look and say, yeah, I want to make a difference. I want to make sure I'm seed number four. I don't want to take it for granted. Just assume I am. Because if I'm being honest with you, I can just assume I am, right? So are you really? Is there really a harvest? Is there really a crop coming from you? Because here's the last thing I want to tell you about a crop. It's obvious. So you drive by a farm and you say, wheat, corn, beans, right? Like you you know that. You know what's out there by, by going. Same thing with the Christian life. Over time, it will become obvious. In the short term, not so much. As we've said before, you will know there is a difference in your life, a real genuine difference in your life when other people notice the difference in your life. So make that your prayer. God, till up the soil of my heart. Once again, men, I want to thank you for listening to the Pursuit of Manliness podcast. Now, one more thing before you go. I want to encourage you, would you consider joining The Herd? The Herd is a $5 a month monthly subscription to The Pursuit of Manliness. These men who are in The Herd, they not only get bonus podcast content, but they're also a part of a community that has ongoing conversations, monthly Zoom calls, and more. For just $5 a month, you can help keep this ministry moving forward. You can also gather with like-minded brothers across the globe. Men, thanks for listening, and let's keep pursuing biblical manliness.